Design Matters Awareness Week is taking place 13th to 19th of May and the theme of this year's national campaign is Are We Ready? The purpose of this Awareness Week is to create open conversations about death, dying and bereavement and this panel has been created to give you a starting point for your next conversation. This panel is hosted by Healthwatch Essex and Farley Hospice. I'm Liz Cowes, I'm the GP here in Chelmsford. Um, I was trustee at Farley. Um, I'm a Macmillan GP. I'm passionate about end-of-life care and putting the person or family at the centre of everything. I've had personal loss myself, um, so I feel on two levels, hopefully, a bit of experience to bring to this discussion. I'm Kimberly. Um, Tabitha asked me to participate today. Obviously, I've got a new baby, Yeti, um, and just from the perspective of how kind of thoughts might have changed about death and thinking about that um, since becoming a mum and the kind of preparedness side of it then. I'm Sharon. I'm here um, similarly to Liz, really, on a professional and a personal level. I've had a fairly recent personal experience of, of loss and bereavement. And I'm also um, working for Healthwatch Essex. So obviously we, um, we speak to many members of the Essex community who are in similar positions. Uh, my name's Sarah. I'm Will's wife, host of events. Um, <clears throat> I'm here, if I'm honest, Mark wanted to do this, so I've come to support him. Or just anything really helpful that can bring to the table. We're in a situation where we're, we're really facing this very much in the face. We've had a very short diagnosis, Mark. So. <laughs> Hello, so my name's uh, Mike Chapman. Oh, I'm a, oh. I am actually still a registered, qualified social worker. <laughs> I was I was until fairly recently, the last couple of years, I was a director of an NHS, NHS Foundation Trust um, with a plan to go back to work. Unfortunately, I got cancer, which has sort of put paid to the to idea of work. So I was getting bored and decided to work for Healthwatch because I can do bits and pieces and contribute to the system with both professional and um, sort of personal experience stuff, if you like. So I'm sort of here as a a health watch ambassador as well. <laughs> I've got a form which tells me that I have less than six months to go uh, and therefore I can claim certain benefits. So I've, got, I've actually got a form, but the form that tells me that's the truth. I've also got um, uh, a letter from the GP, not sorry, sorry, my apologies, not the GP, from the consultant that says that my prognosis is in a matter of short weeks, which is from the beginning of April. So about now, but it isn't now. So that's rubbish. I don't believe it. And uh, so it will. I will, I will go on. I will go on for longer. Can I just say? I mean, I so I've I've been living with cancer for two and a half two and a half years. And at every stage, there's been a sort of a uh, well. We went from curative, a curative approach to a palliative approach. Um, it, it's the length of time thing that takes you by surprise. I think. So for me, the are we ready? Sarah and I and others and members of my family and friends as well had been sort of banging on to me about making a will. And then uh, I was thinking, this is all rubbish, really. I don't, I don't believe this. This is going to be fine. And then I had to have a procedure um, stent put into my liver. I've got jaundice, which still hasn't gone away. Yet. And suddenly... I got the impression from the clinicians around me that I'd had very, very short order. I mean very short order. And that I might not have time. 
to do the things that I needed to do. So I panicked and did a number of things. I, so it sounds obvious, but I, I, I built two guitars, one each for my daughters. One's 30 this year and one's 21 this year. I wanted to be able to give gifts and tokens and make that okay while I was still okay. But it's a bit stupid because actually the will thing was a rush, it just didn't need to be a rush. And I'd encourage everybody actually. Because it cost 300 quid, it took, took about 10 minutes. Solicitor came round to the house. Uh, and he said, just do it because you just never know. I think that's one of the things, isn't it, that you go through life and until you're faced with some life-changing event, and sometimes it can be actually having a baby, mm. um, we perhaps don't think to the future and, and, and we think of it somewhere there. And I suppose one of the things, isn't it, is that we talk about advanced yeah. planning and often being able to make a will or being able to talk to your loved ones about wishes, you can do that and park it. Um, yeah, and I think some people think, oh, I don't want to talk about dying because it will bring it on sooner. It might, but of course it doesn't, doesn't it? We know that really, but it's still a bit of a taboo subject. It is, yeah. and I think um, I think that's definitely about having, having conversations with people. You know, people don't want to hear it. They don't want to. Start. In fact, I, I think. It, People say to me all the time, this is what people say, you don't need to worry about that, Sarah. Don't you worry about that. Well, actually, the time of life, which this is probably the worst thing I've ever been through, actually, according to everybody else, I don't try about anything. I don't try about work, don't need to worry about anything at all. I just don't need to worry about it. Well, you do worry about it. You worry about it all the time. Mm. And I think sometimes just people allowing you to just say that stuff, and they might find it hard. Believe me, it's not as hard as it's... You know, it won't be as hard for them as it is for you, but actually if people can just allow you that space, even, you know, but with shutting you down like that, and don't you worry about it, Sarah, don't you worry. It's it's just stifling, oh. and it just makes you, you can't... I see all these people asking you how you are. How are you? Well, <laughs> apart from the, uh, unfortunately, the terminal cancer hasn't cleared up yet. But apart from that, I'm fine, actually. It's a stupid question, yeah, how are you? People don't answer it's, it, and sometimes that sort of question, what can I do for you today, mm. actually yeah. is something which perhaps you, so it might be that you need someone to go and do the shopping yeah. or yeah. something practical mm. or, yeah. you know, make a meal or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's out of love. I mean, you know, members of my family do this all the time. It's not a, it's not a thing that's done with any malice. It's just a, it's just a, a thing that people do without thinking. Yeah, sometimes people don't know what to say, do they? And I no. think it's, it's yeah. such a default thing to fall back on, isn't it? Because yeah. you say, whenever anyone's going to speak, you go, well, how are you? And really, you hope that they're just going to say, yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah. How are you? Absolutely. And it, that's you, it. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people want to, d despite what's going on. That, that's the required answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that exactly. social construct, isn't there, that this is what we mm. do. You ask me how I am, I'll tell you I'm fine. We all go about mm. Business yeah. and continue on with our it's day. It's safe parameters, isn't it? Yeah. This is what we do. <clears throat> it doesn't go any deeper than that. Mm. And actually, the thought of going deeper than that for most people is quite scary. Yeah. Well, I, th I think just coming back to, to the, the are we ready? For the, are we ready in terms of dying? Absolutely, we're not. And I think um, it's not a subject that's talked about. Mm. I think I can't remember. I remember asking, asking somebody, "Am I going to die?" And the person said, "Well, yeah, of course you are." Everyone is. 
We are three and we're all going to die. Absolutely every single one of us. Right. It's very strange in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because really we're told about death and read about death and are aware of it from a very, very young age when you go to school, it pops up in books and you know people are bereaved. But it is something that although you know it exists and you know that eventually it's going to happen to all of us, it is something that you push away almost as if it's a myth. And that's mm. how you get through life, by somehow kidding yourself that it's not going to really happen. Mm. And unless, like yourselves, you're put in a position where this is what you're being given, this is what you have to cope with, yeah. then you have no choice. Mm. No, I mean, I almost think it is a bit like when you have a baby, people try and prepare you for that, mm. but it just hits you like a train, yeah. doesn't it? You're never prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will testify to that. It's like, oh my good Lord, no one told me it was going to be like this. My, my twin sons are 31 now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like having a baby, it's got to be different for everyone, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the eventuality is the same, the final outcome, but everyone's an individual and so is their experience. But wouldn't it be good if we had the opportunity to talk about dying in a very open way? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, me Mexicans, they celebrate deaths, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a completely different culture, but we do try and avoid it. Like you say, people don't know what to say. People can't know what you might say. People often are worried if you break down and cry, you know, then what do I do? do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes I've also experienced times, particularly if I've been talking to my friends, where I've found myself talking about this and talking about things that are quite difficult but almost in quite a detached way. And, I've, and, I'm think, and then I sort of catch myself and I think to myself, I think, oh, what they're thinking, what they're thinking, I don't care because I don't look upset, I'm not feeling mm -hmm. upset, I'm just talking about it as if. And then I'm thinking, oh no, this isn't. And then other times, I mean, like now, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, now I'm finding this conversation really, really difficult, and I'm just about, you know, hanging in there, really. But other times, it's it doesn't feel like that, you know. It feels, it feels okay to just say it. But then you think, well, is that okay? Do people think that's weird to just talk about these things that are happening about any emotion? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Of course, it's okay. It, it's. I I I remember at my father's funeral. That was 1996. My father was a bit of a character, and I was absolutely devastated, and, and, and I cried through the service, and then afterwards, all the family and friends were around, and they were all recounting the stories, and I was laughing, mm -hmm. and suddenly I checked myself, oh, I can't be laughing at my father's funeral, but actually why shouldn't I be, because it was actually yeah. remembering positive things. I remember it was, it was like my granddad's funeral, he was the most impatient man I've ever met in my life, and we were coming back from the church. To the house where there's um, the wake room, and um, we were obviously going really slowly. And my aunt just said to me, "Goodness, wouldn't your granddad be absolutely furious to be stuck for?" <laughs> and we all burst out laughing. And it was the same thing. You then suddenly feel like, "Oh, I shouldn't be there." I think you can't stay in the same state of emotion, whatever it is—sad, no. happy, excited, whatever. If you can't be consistently the same emotion, it's not human, is it? No, I wonder if there's a difference between younger people and uh, older people in some of this stuff. I'm beginning to notice that um, my generation, I'm, fif I'm 56, my generation uh, sort of be obsessed with collecting stuff, you know, how, whether it's houses or cars or just stuff. And actually, as um, I love guitar, I've got, I love guitars, I've got 14 guitars, I'm still buying them now, I don't know why, but I'm still buying and making them now. I just love them, they're just a beautiful thing. A lot of kids these days, or younger people these days, seem to be collecting experiences. 
Mm -hmm. So, in terms of, are you are you ready? There comes a time. Certainly, there's always been a time. Lots of, lots of times for me recently, especially when I had the, the prognosis of short of short weeks, of trying to sort of sum up. I've got no faith. I'm not a Christian, but just to sum up, have I have have I or have I not had a good life? Some of those questions you could ask yourself much much earlier. So you haven't got to wait till you've only got five minutes left. You know, I think it's too late then. Whatever you, whatever you've done, you've done by then. For me, certainly in this, in this sort of last bit, uh, there's something of it's like way sort of weighing the scale. You know, everybody does bad stuff. Something that you've done in your life that's made a difference that's um, been important. And what is important? What isn't important? And actually, suddenly relationships become much more important than stuff. Experiences can become much more important than money. We were talking today about so there's this ridiculously expensive hotel in Wollacom that we've never stayed at. We've always gone camping and uh, camp planning. What will it cost? We've got some money to save, so we just said, well, conversation so you won't have, you you won't you won't have that money. I don't care. What we would have is we would have had four nights in a really luxurious, beautiful place that we've always talked about. Expensive. No, I, I think what you've said is absolutely mm -hmm. right, isn't it? it? It's this is when you start to reflect back on things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you said so right as well about you can do that at any stage, and I think that's why they gave us some tips because I said to her, I've never really thought about you know my own death until I had a baby and I started mm -hmm. really panicking. Things like I'm feeding on myself, so things like well, what if something happened to me tomorrow and she's got no milk or sugar and what would happen to her and who would look after her and all of those mm. questions that you don't yeah. I've never thought about because probably didn't really you know it mattered but it didn't it wouldn't you know didn't matter as much mm. in mm. a way as it would now and so you do start thinking about you know that and what would happen and those practical things you talked about as well as the, mem the making the memories and mm. savouring the experiences mm. and I think we're all really guilty of you know, okay, this bit's hard when he gets to this bit or when I get that yeah, job or things away yeah. constantly and I think mm. yeah. And that's and I think this has been a bit of a less you know, for me personally, like it's something I find really hard, but it's something that I think going forward will probably been a, a good thing is is actually you spend so you know, you don't realise how much you plan in your life and actually when you're in the situation we are you can hardly plan anything. You know, even coming here today, I thought I didn't know this was happening yesterday. Now, this feels quite a big deal to come and do this, but actually yesterday I thought, oh, I've got a free afternoon, I'll just do whatever, because I'm, I'm not at work at the moment, so that's been quite a big thing for me to not be at work. Um, you know, I'm a social care manager, you know, I, I love my job, so I'm missing that. It's quite isolating not being at work. So all of these things are sort of taken, stripped away, mm. and, and actually you can't, you, you, this whole big plan that you have for everything on your calendar is just out the window. Mm. And you're just going day by day by day, and I don't know. It's 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 been difficult. I found it difficult, but I think in a lot of ways it's it's made me look at the day today, you know, and just see what's today and what's happening today. And sometimes mm. it's a good day, and sometimes it's not. And you know, you just kind of go with it. I think, can't you? That's all you can do, really. But I think sometimes people around you are not living in that world. They're living in the world of planning, and mm. you know, so people text, "What are you doing?" 
on Sunday, you know, can we come over? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday. I don't know how I'm going to feel on Sunday. Now you've said that, I feel quite anxious about that. And I don't know. So I think, so I think what Sarah's moving at is that there's a, there's the, there's the person who's, who's dying. I suppose we are all dying, but some God are others. And then there's the person looking after the person who's dying and how they, and actually most of the attention goes on the first half. So, well, I get a lot of attention. It's great. I love it. Um, Sarah doesn't get that. Sarah doesn't get as much attention. Um, but actually suffers probably much more because um, yeah, you know, she uh, might be it. She's killed a lot of the tender. I'm going to think about it anymore. Whereas for everybody else, friends, family, that, that preparation part is is something different. And it's definitely you. We definitely don't talk about this stuff, do we? It's you know, mm-hmm. it's not. Can I ask if it's not too sensitive? So how, how are your children coping with the... They're being declared in by Solomon. I do want to say, it is upsetting, but I do want to say, because they've been amazing. No, they have. Sorry, it's just... Um, um, they, they are... Um, they're brilliant. They're wonderful. So they seem, to, they seem to understand when to be there, when not to be there. Mm-hmm. They're just around. And... Um, that's yeah, that's not that's nice. There are others who seem to impose, but um, more draining. Friends and family, the ones who seem to most suffer, the ones actually sometimes don't say anything at all, just are there and do practical stuff. I think I think going back to the Beth and Anna though, I think uh, you know obviously they're both dead as God. <laughs> yeah. So you know this this is devastating for them too. It absolutely is, and I've talked to them. I talk to them and you know they are devastated by it absolutely completely but um, we've been doing stuff together so myself and my eldest daughter my eldest daughter's a musician we've been doing, doing writing together and writing some songs and, and that's been just lovely spending time practically just doing that stuff um, the reason for making them both a guitar was that they're both musicians they're both my best daughter musicians it's just something that's so sort of quite different so one is one of them is called an anacaster and it's called a Becca caster. Catholics will know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I do. <don't laughs> so. Fender and Fender Telecasters. These are Anna, my daughter's names are Anna and Beth. So these are this is an Anna caster and a, and a Becca caster. Strangely, so I got that, and I have I think no, I think they're just trying to. They, they're trying to be around as much as they can. Mm-hmm. They both live in London, so they're just trying to be around as much as they can, yeah. really, and just trying to. Again, take they're, they're also in this kind of taking a day at a time, taking a week at a time. Yeah, I think coming coming back to the sort of the professional side of it, I know you you GP, but there's there's something about how it's talked about at a professional level. There's almost an avoidance at a professional level as well. Uh, and yet on the other hand, so I've experienced both actually. I've experienced one consultant or one who who has just been well, you know, like you know, I've experienced people in your situation who've who are still here 10 years later. And I, being me, I'd read all the research. I said, well, we looked at the, the mean survival rate is two years, and the survival rate at five years is around 3%. Is that right? Is that right? I said, yes, 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 you're right about that. You're, you are, uh, you know, you're younger, you're fitter, you're... Some of that's true, sir. But it's turned out to be not the case. It's turned out to be almost spot on research. That's almost a being kind. 
Can we just interrupt but for about one second? Go on. on because I actually think he did get that right in that, because I think at that time he wouldn't have been ready to hear anything different. No, probably so not. I think he, he maybe not. Yeah, so but, um, and then we'd had the alternative. Um, well, I was discharged in my absence because I was too ill to go that day to go to see the consultant. The consultant told Sarah that um, basically, yeah, just get ready. You need to be gone very, very shortly. And in the discharge letter, I just wrote, they wrote, you know, this is a matter of diagnosis, this is a matter of short weeks, which is, well, you know, that's like, that's, um, it's very categorical. Turned out so far not to be true. I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to be in the order of weeks, months, but, but we don't know exactly how long. That also depends on my determination, which is quite strong, and also depends on um, how fit and well I keep myself in other in other ways. So sort of setting a target every few weeks. It's just a hard, it's just that, that harshness. I think is. Um I think you're, you're very right. I think professionals often shy away from having that difficult conversation because they don't feel comfortable and they use the excuse of oh, the patient's not ready or. And actually, you just need to find the time of actually asking the patient. You know, tell me about what's happening, and, and giving the patient the opportunity to ask those questions. Yeah. And and I suppose, you know, what we try and do is 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 having that check of, you know, what do you want to know, and and, and everybody's individual. Yes. So you know, I've looked after patients who, who 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 just don't want to know anything. Yeah. Um, you know, dare you to say anything, and others who want absolutely everything. Yeah. And yeah. It, it isn't one size fits all, is no. it? But I think the conversations, and what we're doing, I suppose, in a way today is allowing people to talk in, if they want to, yeah. with whoever they want to, mm. is absolutely correct. You show us is that, you know, that it, it's a continuum, isn't it? You know, so we're born and we have a life cycle and then we die. And this is normal. This is, this is just part of normal cycle and the baby's the beginning mm -hmm. <laughs> i was just saying to deb actually and this um my granny's got terminal cancer at the moment and um when we go and visit she's you know sometimes she wants to see us for a long time mm. and she can sit and chat and sometimes we just pop in and we say a quick yeah. hello but one thing that she always likes is if i put etty on the floor in front of her because it's something she doesn't have to make conversation she yes. doesn't have to answer any questions mm. or you know, talk about anything she doesn't want to, and I think it's quite yeah. nice in that way. It's relax, you know, relaxing yeah. more than talking yeah. to an adult because Etty doesn't have a clue what's going on or understand anything. And you I know, think you do, don't you? <laughs> 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 you know, something um, I mean, my husband will talk about actually is, um, you know, you do suddenly you get really some really irrational thoughts, don't you, about this, and you start thinking about it, and you know, you start thinking. Well, I've just had a baby. If I just kind of bumped people off the other end, you know, you talk about that spectrum, you know. Obviously, you've got further generations and you think, oh, you know, that normal, that lifespan, you bring more in, you suddenly think, oh, God, that means more people are reaching the end of this. Obviously, I appreciate it's not related. This mum is not <laughs> good. But, um, you know, but I know what you're saying. It kind of brings that... Brings it thing, to yeah. mind yeah. more than I would have ever thought about it before. And I think sometimes I probably would have thought about it more than others because I've worked, I've worked at um, different organisations like Cancer Research UK and um, Alzheimer's 
society. So I've had a lot of experience with people dealing with, you know, death, but just never really brought it home before, I think. I think, no, I think as a society, we just, you know, we just expect everything to be how we want it to be because we can kind of buy what we want to buy pretty much. We can have things how we want them to be pretty much. Everything's enabled for us, isn't it, constantly? And this is the one thing that we can't do anything about. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter how much influence or power or who you are or what what you've got at your disposal you can do nothing about this yeah. and and actually I think we're not used to that really anymore we're used to kind of pretty much having things we, the way we want them to be and I think that word power is really quite key isn't it because everyone can have different experiences in their lives some that can be really really testing but generally there are some options that give mm. you the chance to get the power back mm. whereas when it comes to your own mortality and eventual death, mm. however it's going to happen is how it's going to happen. And however much you may want to change that or to stop that, that feeling of I'm not in control, and this is something I cannot mm. do anything about. And as I say, I think as well, the more we, the more, and I think probably you go 10 years down the line and think, you know, that will become mm. even more so because mm. we will become able to control everything yeah. more than, you know, as time goes on. I think that's a, a big part of why we don't talk about it. You know, it's easy to talk about what we can buy and where we can go on holiday and what job we can apply for. Mm. I think the thing that really stood out for me is what you're talking about, like don't wait until you have to reflect and that experiences thing. Because I think we all know that, but you get so caught up in your day-to-day and mm. and everything that you kind of, you, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. So yeah. that, you know, that's really stuck with me. I'm telling you what was like beautiful thinking you because... Coming here must have been so difficult. And actually sharing what you're going through with others, hopefully, will make others start to think about having those earlier conversations. Mm. So thank you for that. I'm sure it's been so difficult. I'll, I'll be honest, I had a bit of a stroppiness about coming here today. I didn't really want to come, and Mike was adamant we were doing it. Well, not we were doing it. He was like, well, I'll just go on my own. Um, so, yeah, but I think, yeah, even though it hasn't been very useful today, I'm glad we did it. I think for me, I think the new life thing and, the, and just the way that makes just change, changed your mind, changed your, changed your way of thinking about the world and suddenly being responsible for that new life suddenly makes you value the importance of your own life yeah. in relation to the responsibility you now have. It's really interesting. It is a real reinforcement of the quality, isn't it? Mm. There's a certain time in your life that you realise that and hopefully if the conversation that we've had today here helps just one person makes it slightly easier better for them to address what's happening in their lives and it's certainly been worth it hasn't it? Mm, definitely